Hi everyone, welcome to Season 2 of the Asian Hustle Network Podcast, where we interview Asian entrepreneurs and professionals around the world. And for this season, we're going to take our conversations deeper about our Asian identity and hustle stories. We also want to announce that we are hosting our first ever Asian Hustle Network Uplifted Conference next spring in Las Vegas. For more info and to reserve your seats, check out our website at asianhustlenetwork.com. Don't forget to grab a copy of our recently released book, Uplifted, Journeys of Abundance, Community, and Identity, which tells the personal stories of how 21 Asian American entrepreneurs are shifting culture. You can order it on our website as well. Hey guys, welcome to the Asian Hustle Network podcast. My name is Brian. And my name is Maggie. And we interview Asian entrepreneurs around the world to amplify their voices and empower Asians to pursue their dreams and goals. We believe that each person has a message and a unique story from their entrepreneurial journey that they can share with all of us. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Asian Hustle Network podcast. Today, we have a very special guest with us. Her name is Isabella Sun. Isabella is the co-founder and CEO of Short Story, the first petite personal styling service helping women find their perfect fit. Isabella is from a family of entrepreneurs. Her mom came to the U.S. to run her own business, so she always knew she wanted to start something of her own one day. Prior to Short Story, she worked in the New York finance industry and struggled for years to find properly fitting clothes. When she discovered that 50% of U.S. women are 5'4 or under and consider petite, she knew there had to be a better way. In 2019, she left her finance job and Short Story was born. Short Story is now funded by Y Combinator and has been featured in BuzzFeed USA Today and more. Isabella, welcome to the show. Hi, I'm so happy to be here and excited to chat. Amazing. So let's get right into your story. I'm so excited to learn more about yourself and Short Story. What was your upbringing like and how did you get this entrepreneurial spirit? I want to learn more about you know the inspiration that you got from your mother. And I know you've come from a family of entrepreneurs. So tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So I was born in Beijing, grew up uh, right next to the Forbidden City, which is a super cool historical landmark. And those were the formative years of my life where I really grew up in one of the coolest cities in the world. And so my mom is an entrepreneur and she owns an import business, importing seafood. So growing up, I've always loved seafood. I love a good crab or shellfish or salmon, you know, you name it. And so she has has been running her business for over 30 years and I've grown up and watching her run her business and really admired her for being an entrepreneur. Wow. That is so amazing. I think that matters a lot, you know, coming from a family of entrepreneurs, it's easier to visualize, especially if, you know, you don't come from a family of entrepreneurs, you just kind of stick with the, you know, nine to five and you graduate, you get a well-paying job and retire at the age of 65. And so it's just really <laughs> inspiring to see that because for me, like I come from a family of non-entrepreneurs. So it was like very difficult for me to see it in a different light, you know, have that entrepreneurial mindset and spirit. So I, you know, I truly do believe that it really, really helps. It, it I yeah. When you see it growing up, it's you see all the things that are hard about it. Right. Uh, I remember at dinner, you know, my mom would go take a phone call to, with her international partner. And it was constantly like all, all day long. Right. So see the amount of work that it takes to make something work. 
Yeah, absolutely. I know that you were working in the finance industry in New York. And, you know, I hear a lot of grueling stuff about that. And you, I know you were working at Bank of America. Can you talk a little about your experience there? And what was it like working at Bank of America? And like, how did you kind of have this idea or inspiration to come up with short story? It's funny when I graduated, you know, as, as a young person, I really do think working in banking exposes you to so much in a short amount of time. I was like, you know, 20 something working with really, really large companies like, like Activision or SoftBank. And I had my eyes wide open of like, wow, there's this whole world out here of how companies get funded, how they deploy capital. And I just absorbed it like a sponge. And so I did that for a while and was really interesting is I worked on the trading floor. So, you know, if you, it's, it's not quite like a wolf of wall street, but <laughs> there are some, some things that are really unique to that culture. And it was very fast paced. Uh, you know, you had people who are, it's like, a, it's like an adrenaline charged place where deals get done. And I was this like, kind of, you know, I'm five one, so I'm, I'm tiny and standing on this vast floor of like, sometimes really tall people, really tall men. I felt kind of small, like physically small. And so I just remember walking into a lot of meetings where I was the only woman uh, and a petite woman and feeling like I wanted to like really, you know, give myself a little boost and wearing the right things, wearing things that fit gave me that. I, I felt good when I wore something like a dress I really put together. And so this concept of, of like wanting to dress confidently and actually helping other people. I was always giving my friends advice on, you know, Hey, check out this brand. They have a great cut. That's well-suited for petite girls, petite proportions. So that grew into kind of like wanting to do that. It's to explore that idea and turning it into a business. Yeah. So that was, you know, the kind of the genesis of, of, of short story is wanting to make a brand to help petite women feel great about themselves. Oh, wow. That's so amazing. I mean, to our listeners, I was on this call with Isabella before we had started recording and I was just expressing how excited I am to learn about her story because it's, it, you know, tugs on my heartstrings personally because I am for eight. And I, I don't know like how much of our community knows that, but I am very, very petite. I don't think I, I don't think I've met anyone else as petite as I am. And as you can you know understand for us petite women, it's really hard for us to find clothing. And I absolutely agree with you. You know, confidence has such a big part, you know, to play in that. And the same thing with me, you know, I was working in the tech industry and I was in the marketing department. So a lot of other people in my department, they who are normally, you know, Caucasian and they're very, very tall. And I was the only Asian or minority in the meeting rooms at my, you know, in my size, you know, I was the only person who was like shorter than five feet. And it was really hard for me to find professional work clothing. Right. And that matters a lot. If you feel confident in the clothes that you wear, then you're able to deliver better. It's just like how people say, like, if you wear makeup and you feel more confident, or if you, you know, do whatever to your skin or, you know, it, it matters so much. And yeah, I just, I just love that so much that you had that inspiration. I know that you pretty much like didn't even have any overlap with your full-time job and starting short story. Right. And I want to know, like, 
how it was like for you, because some people normally they start their side business and they stay at their corporate job for maybe a year or two just to make sure you know they make ends meet. But it seems like in April 2019, you you kind of like took a really, really big jump. Was there a reason for that? And were you scared at all during that big jump when you had quit your full time job in the banking industry and you had just started a short story? I think my grandma was a little scared for me. <laughs> what? what are you doing? It really was a leap of faith. I mean, to be completely honest, it was, I don't have any fashion or retail background at all. I couldn't tell you anything about materials of cotton model, you know, what are they? But I just figured like I can learn and all these things can be learned. And I mean, we can get into this more, but one of my pieces of advice to entrepreneurs or aspiring entrepreneurs is just do it. Like sometimes you think too much and then you get scared, but if you just do it, like trust yourself that you can figure this out and you have this learning mindset, like just go for it. That's what I would say. And sometimes that lack of immediate experience can be a good thing. Because you're then asking a lot of questions about how the how the industry operates that someone who's been in there may not be seeing. Right. So uh, I remember I used to get off at work and then basically work on this work on this idea. And then it kind of it kind of snowballed in a way that I didn't expect. Because I think women like you, when you are petite and have not had a lot of options and you see something like this, you're like, okay, I need this. Like I want this. And so I felt that kind of energy and that sort of like, Ooh, I love this idea. And I just thought, okay, this, like this, this thing needs a solution and the industry has not provided a solution. So it takes somebody from the outside to solve it. And like, I I don't want to wait for something to to happen. I'm going to go just do this. So that was how I got started. Oh, absolutely. I love that so much. And I, yeah, I think a lot of us, we have our own internal, you know, problems. You know, I have this X, Y, Z problem, right. And we're just waiting for a solution to come to us, but not many of us think about how we can, you know, create our own solution. And I think I read this article about you saying, you know, in the early days when you were doing your own shipment and you were like running back and forth to the post office and your (laughs) doorman thought you were crazy. (laughs) I want to know about like the hustle days of of, that time. I know that, you know, obviously today you, you don't have to like uh, package boxes until 3am in the morning. I still pack boxes. <laughs> oh, wow. okay. Yeah. I love that. I love, I love yeah. that you do the nitty gritty work, but yeah. I'm sure you have like a system of processes that's like more defined and laid out. Right. But I want to know about like the hustle days when you were first starting a short story. The hustle is ongoing. <laughs> so oh, for sure. <laughs> stops. But we do have a team now, which, which I'm, I'm so proud of our team for where we are today. Back then it was really like, you know, I am going to the post office at four, it closes at five. So I remember hauling this little, you know, those little kind of like suitcases or like little trolleys basically. So I got them from like Home Depot, I think. And I would stack them up so high and they would wiggle around and I would be sprinting at 4.59 to get to the post office before it closes. And the, the people at the post office, they're so nice. They, they've gotten to know me. They're like, oh, there's that girl again. You know, <laughs> like, oh, there she is. So I mean, the, the, the early days are really about like just grit and making it happen. 
and being so excited that you are just pushing against all barriers to build this thing, to make it from nothing into something. Yeah, absolutely. I love hearing that. (laughs) Okay. So for some of our listeners who don't know yet, I want to know how short story works exactly. So it seems like, you know, customers pay a styling fee to get a personalized box of clothing. Tell us how it works exactly. Yeah. So you can think of short story as your best friend who happens to be an expert in dressing for petite proportions. So we are the styling experts who will curate the best selection of brands and styles from around the world on a single platform and essentially match you with the pieces that would fit you best. So we'll get to know you a little bit through a style quiz where you share your sizes, your measurements, your preferences, and we'll use that to essentially create curations for you. What's different and unique about us is we not only curate, uh, we not only uh, provide third-party brands. So like brands that you will be familiar with, like we also create our own products. We create our own clothing and that those ideas come from you. So our customers are actually part of our product creation process. You may say, I often have trouble finding pants in a 25 inch inseam. We will then aggregate that data and then go create that pant for you. Wow. That is so amazing. I was just going to ask that. I was wondering if there are any pieces that you and your team design personally. And that matters so much because I think even though there are other, you know, larger retailers that may have like petite clothing, it may not always fit, right? Because it's such a large market. And I love that you guys have your own clothing label. And I guess I want to know, like, what is the creative process for that? Like, do you have a specific creative process? Do you ever go through creative blocks at all? And I, I'm sure that, you know, having the customers be a sort of like funnel for you to like find inspiration to create these pieces of clothing is most likely very, very helpful for you. But do you and your team ever have any creative blocks and how do you get through those? So I like to say that we create products from pain points rather than a bunch of us, you know, designers and, and, and creatives sitting in a room with a Pantone color and saying like, this is, you know, the Pantone color of the year, like here are the things that we should make. Our process is flipped. So we actually draw inspiration from pain points that we've identified in our customer set. So we'll look at the customer set and, and see these are the recurring things that recurring themes that us petite women, which we are, a lot of us are petite women here and, you know, we are our own customer in a sense. And we're saying, oh, okay, for jumpsuits, the, the seat, the area is always too low, which is a huge problem for petites. So let's create a jumpsuit that where the seat is actually sitting in the right place. So in that sense, the creative process is, is really customer driven. I love that so much. Oh my gosh. It's so hard for me to find a jumpsuit that fits me. Yes. And <laughs> I, I, I have to be honest, like I don't even have a jumpsuit. Like I've been, I remember the time when jumpsuits were so in and so popular. I'm like, I need to get myself a jumpsuit, but I couldn't find any anywhere that would fit me. And you know, last week I actually had to buy a dress for one of my friend's bachelorette party and she wanted a royal blue dress. And I had to search everywhere because royal blue is such like a specific color that I don't have a lot of clothes in. And so I remember last week I was shopping in San Francisco and I went inside Zara and I found a royal blue dress, but 
the the um, spaghetti straps were so low that I knew like if I put it if I put it on, like you could like just see everything, you know, and I'm just like, wow, this just doesn't make sense. You know, this, and there was no like adjustments on the straps. Yeah. yeah. So it's just, it, yeah, it's so hard to find clothing for, for petite people. It really is. And it's, it's, it's a chore that we've gotten used to, which like, that like we shouldn't be doing that right? right like it's sort of like okay well it we just go expecting that pants we have to hem we'll have to get a tailor we'll have to cut it ourselves but it doesn't have to be that way and so it takes some sort of there's like a thinking process around like who are you really creating products for and what do they look like and what are their measurements and proportions so yeah, so that's that's what we do. We have close to 10 private label lines and those are all created around our customers. Absolutely. I love that so much. And Short Story has gone through so many achievements. You know, you were funded by Y Combinator, you were featured on BuzzFeed, KTLA5, and USA Today. I believe USA Today had recognized Short Story as the number one clothing subscription box of 2021. And that's such an amazing achievement and feat. I want to know like, what was your, you know, what were you thinking at the time and what was going through your mind? What were you processing and how did all of these achievements kind of like make you understand, like, this is something that, you know, people need. And when was it that you realized that, you know, this could be really big? I think there are some moments in the startup's journey that you never forget. And one of these moments for us was when the editors from BuzzFeed, two of the editors were petite girls. And so they had found us on the, through their own search and reached out and said, we would love to feature you in one of our videos. And I said, yeah, absolutely. We would love to, to, to work with you. And so they had created the video. They had published the video and they said, oh, you know, we don't really know when it will be published, but you'll find out. And I said, okay, great. So I remember one Saturday morning waking up to an insane number of new users who had signed up after watching the video and it, our traffic just skyrocketed. And so I was like, wow, that's an incredible, like I was, my co-founder, we were so happy. And then the next thing we, we, we sort of realized was, oh shoot, like, how are we going to fulfill these orders? <laughs> so, so it was, so, it was so funny thinking back to that, but there, there are moments like that when I think for us, for short story, when someone discovers us, they get very excited and they really are, it really resonates with them. And people like you, people like me, who are for our whole lives, we've been trying to figure this out. And so those are the moments when I feel like, okay, we are, we are onto something. I love that so much. Yes. I, and that piece about like relatability and finally feeling seen or heard you know, it matters so much. And I, I remember when you had posted in the Asian Hustle Network Facebook group discussion board, and you had received so much, so much good engagement and feedback on your brand, on your story. And my sister, she's in the group as well. So my sisters and I are all petite. My family is all petite. And so as soon as my sister had saw your post, she, I saw that she immediately followed short story on Instagram. And it's just one of those things where it's like, a lot of petite women, when they see something like short story, they feel seen, you know, like, oh, wow, someone finally understands the problem that I have that not a lot of people, you know, actually found a solution to. So I love that you're, you know, really tackling 
into this solution, this problem and, you know, giving a solution. And I think what a lot of founders kind of have a problem trying to get over is like, is it too niche, right? Am I going to attract the right audience? Like, what if I'm missing out on a bigger target market, right? But I love that you understood your target so, you know, precisely and so clearly that, you know, even if you're only targeting petite, there's such a big audience, like 50% of US women are, are petite and we don't realize that, right? And I love that you understand what the problem was and how to actually find a solution. There are a lot of us yeah. and, and uh, we need to send you guys some jumpsuits. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. I'm so excited. So to shift the topic a little bit, I want to talk about, you know, some of the obstacles that you faced in the process of launching this business. Right. And more specifically, just to kind of, you know, go a little bit deeper. I think we live in a system where that very much, you know, doesn't believe in women entrepreneurs, right? On top of that, this problem that petite women have probably doesn't even come across the minds of many investors, right? And so I want to know if you ever experienced any criticism or come across people who didn't believe the product would work. And if so, how did you deal with it? There were many moments. I mean, to be honest, like the disbelief of this being a problem of petite women existing came up several times through our through our fundraise. And, you know, I said, we can look at the CDC data, but I want you to do me a favor, go outside and walk around and just talk to women. Chances are one in two of them will be petite. And I think, I mean, we need to do our job of educating people. What is petite? It's five, four under. It's also people who have petite proportions, right? So you can have petite, a shorter torso or shorter legs. But I mean, this thing I had to deal with constantly of sometimes male investors who they have no idea what I'm talking about. And then that is when I point to the, you know, these, these, these things that we've accomplished in the last short amount of time of like, look, look at our, look at how much we've resonated with people, with women and how much we've grown. And these are our numbers Like you can't, you can't, numbers don't lie. Right. So I think it's something that a lot of female entrepreneurs have to deal with and, you know, we will tackle it one day at a time. So I am optimistic. Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. And I think we're starting to you know, demand that our voices be heard more nowadays. I think a lot of women are realizing that. And I love that, you know, you have such a positive mindset and we just have to you know, show them the data, you know, like this is actually a real problem for a lot of females and women. So I love that you have such a, you know, a bright outlook on that. And, and I, I think that a lot of people will start to realize that this is a problem that that we experience. Yeah. I, I know that your team is also women-led and you hire a lot of people onto your team who are, you know, very creative and smart and very driven people from, you know, stylists who curate the outfits for your clients to, you know, the fulfillment team who packs each box. How do you determine, you know, what type of people that you want to bring onto your team and what do you think makes a very effective and, you know, a very community-based team in a short story? I think the first thing is they have to believe in our mission and our team 
very much believe that we are solving a problem, a real problem, and we're helping people find a solution in, and that will make their life better. And it's, it's really like every single shipment, every single curation that we deliver, it's to somebody's house and they get this little pink box. And I hope it's something that sparks joy in their life is a bright spot, right? It's been a, it's been a tough couple of years for a lot of people. Um, so, so when we hired some of the top qualities I look for is, is this person a zero to one person? Meaning is this someone who will start with the belief that we can do it? We can take anything from not existing to existing. And that's a really, really special trait that uh, makes somebody a builder. And I think we're a team of builders, right? So a lot of these processes, a lot of these products don't exist. And so, you know, when you work with vendors, they, all, they always want history. They want history. They want to tread past that have been treaded before. And that's the, we're doing the complete opposite. I, I think that's one of the biggest things that I look for in, in, in building our team. I love that so much. It's hard to find a good team, you know, and, and it's, but it's also one of the most important things to, you know, deliver to your customers is, and customers know when, you know, the team is actually passionate about the mission of the company. And I love that, you know, your team is also woman led. So that is absolutely amazing. Being a, you know, founder and, you know, just an entrepreneur in general, you know, there, there comes a lot of peaks and valleys and a lot of highs and lows. And I'm sure, you know, you experience that too, like Brian and myself running Asian Hustle Network and much like all the other entrepreneurs in our community, it's hard. It's hard being an entrepreneur, you know, and (laughs) yeah. And Brian always says like, oh, I just wish I could go back to a nine to five. And I'm sure a lot of entrepreneurs (laughs) go through the same thing when it gets really hard. Right. But Um, We wouldn't trade it for anything in the world, but I think this is like a good segue to speak on the topic of like mental health and like how you take care of yourself. Right. And just like, we understand it can be so exhausting and daunting being an entrepreneur. How do you manage your mental health and how do you make sure that you make time for yourself? That's such a good question because I think what, what the, one of the the realizations I had in being a founder is that all of the things that I thought would be hard are not as hard. And all the things that I thought would be okay are turned out to be really hard. And so example of that is I thought, oh shoot, like I don't know anything about, you know, manufacturing or, 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 or retailing. How on earth are we going to do this? So but those are the things that you can learn by talking to people from people who are super experienced. What is hard is operating in ambiguity is when there is no clear answer. And you really have to just think through all of the scenarios and then pick one and engaged in this like constant, like iterative process of like, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to try this. If it fails, I'm going to correct myself really quickly and just keep going. That has been really, really hard because sometimes you like, you want to know what is the right answer. So in terms of mental health, my, one of my favorite things to do is to soak my feet. I love that. You know, get yourself a little Japanese wood tub, put some Epsom salt in it, put some lavender in there and just go, ah, it's so invigorating. It's it's so soothing. I think it's as founders, so important that you take that five, 10, half an hour to just sit back and soak. Oh, I love that so much. It sounds so simple. And like, you know, it's something that 
Yeah, I've actually never heard of anyone say that before, but oh my gosh, that sounds so relaxing. Like an Asian thing to do. You know, you, oh yeah. Yeah. yeah now you that can, I realize it. You can take it to the next level and get <laughs> medicinal packets and like, you know, herbs and stuff and, and really get in there. <laughs> now that I think about it, I remember my mom would do that like every single night, but I had yes. just remembered that. <laughs> yes. Totally. I love that so much. And yeah, every person may have a different way to to cope with mental health. Right. And it may be soaking your feet it may be reading a book, but it's just so important for you to actually find that outlet and which outlet works best for you. Right. Especially as founders and entrepreneurs, it can become so tiring and exhausting. It's really important to find that outlet. So if you had, you know, one thing that you wanted your, the customers of short story to take away from the brand, what would that one thing be? You know, if there's like a specific message that you want to portray through your brand and your messaging. I think it's, it's, it's that we're here for you. It hasn't been an area that a lot of retailers, brands, designers have paid attention to. And I think we feel pretty ignored and kind of brushed aside, you know, like there's this, you, you go to a traditional mall and in the very back, there is a tiny little section. If there is one that is the petite section and there's like four styles and it looks really sad. And it's the styles from like 10 years ago, you know, that's, that's what we have had. And you know, the alternative is going to the kids section, right. And buying like a unicorn t-shirt, like that has rainbows on it. Like it's, it's just, we're kind of not in the spotlight. And I want to tell all petite women who are our, our customers and those who are just learning about us, like we're here for you. Like we are there are, this is a really, really common thing. And we deserve to have the same selection and excitement and confidence as everybody else. So that is what I'll say. I love that so much. And I absolutely agree. And, you know, oftentimes I have to go to the kids section to find exactly what I'm looking for. And it's always, you know, styles that are more for kids. And I'm like, this just does not fit with my wardrobe, you know? And so I think yeah, it's-, and it's not us. There's right. nothing wrong with our, our, we're very average and normal. It's right. the whole industry that is disconnected from us. So right. we're going to change that. Absolutely. So Isabella, I have one last question for you. And that is if you could give one advice to an aspiring entrepreneur what would that one advice be? Or it could be an advice for a petite woman who is trying to find her confidence as well. I would say, and this is something that we talked about earlier, it's really just do it. Like there are, there are so many roadblocks, obstacles, real or imagined that stand in the way of us doing something. My biggest piece of advice is just to go in with this mindset that you will figure it out. Believe in yourself that you will figure it out. And that, and the journey is going to be very long, but it'll be really fun. And you will find out so many things about yourself that you didn't know before, whether it's things that you're really good at, or like things that, uh, you know, you're just like really passionate about and but let those be the drivers of what you do. Like, what do you naturally gravitate toward? You don't have to have the paper experience or the credentials. Just believe in yourself. Thank you so much for that advice as well. And I absolutely agree. I think a lot of times we think to ourselves, how am I going to get through this? Right. But we get through it one way or another. We get through it. And then we look back like a year later and we're like, that was so easy. You know, yeah, like, dang, <laughs> I was- 
Hopeless, you know, like it's, it's, it, it really is incredible. Yeah. Amazing. So where can our listeners find out more about you and short story online as well? You can follow us on Instagram at uh, short story box. And we do have a style blog where we share lots of uh, petite tips, whether it is, you know, how to wear a boyfriend jean or how to wear oversized pieces. Um, you can find us there on our blog, uh, at, at, on our website. Amazing. And I'll be sure to leave all of that in the show notes of this episode. Isabella, it was so amazing having you on our podcast today. I loved learning more about your story. Thank you so much. My pleasure. It was so fun talking to you. Thank you so much for having me on the show. (laughs) Thank you. Hey guys, we hope you enjoyed this episode. Please subscribe to the show. We would like to get to the top 10 on iTunes, so be sure to leave us a five-star review. We release an episode every single Wednesday, so stay tuned. Thank you guys so much.